This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. So maybe you're wondering about turnkey rentals and how does that strategy work as a passive investor? How passive is it really? And how often do you need to step in? Oh, my friend Zach Lamaster is here. He was an optometrist for a number of years. He was able to quit his job and through his program, which is called uh, Rent, uh, was it Rent to Retirement? Um, he is able to help uh, many, many, many people, hundreds of people to uh, achieve passive income and really to leave their job or just to be able to have more financial security outside of Wall Street. So I can 100% get behind that. So Zach, welcome today. How are you? Hey, Bronson. Excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to have you. Actually, I have some experience with doing single family rentals. I didn't necessarily do turnkey. I did more kind of like do it myself. And I realized maybe that was part of the issue for me. Uh, with single family was that I did a lot of the work myself. So I'd love to kind of hear uh, just about some of your experience, your story. I mean, obviously you had a great job, you were an optometrist and you've uh, been able to do a lot of different things. Why don't you give people a little bit of background of your story and kind of how you got into the turnkey space? I'd love to. Yeah. So, I mean, this has started maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago at this point, uh, just freshly out of optometry school. I was on a health profession scholarship with the Air Force. Uh, my wife is also an optometrist. I met her in school and then we, um, Moved to North Dakota, where I was fulfilling my my Air Force, um, you know, requirement for for scholarship. I, I spent seven years in the Air Force. That's where we really started to uh, invest in real estate. I mean, the first house I bought we used a VA loan, house hacked it. It's a duplex, lived in lived in half, rented out the other half, um, and that was an eye opening experience for us. Uh, you know, just as as far as like the the ability to pay for our mortgage. So basically from there, we just got hooked. You know, we started buying more and more real estate every single year. And one thing I tell people, Bronson, is that since that first duplex, we've bought more real estate um, every single year. So we've continually scaled over time to the point where we ultimately were re able to replace our, our active income, you know, as, as optometrists, um, just through investing in real estate. That took many years to accomplish, but um, that, that was our goal, Ex especially what expedited that, I guess the catalyst was strategically investing in different parts of the country outside of just our local area, um, you know, looking at markets that had population and economic growth, areas that we could get a better cash flow and return on investment areas that were in the path of progress with appreciation, landlord friendly legislation, low taxes, et cetera. Um, and so we continually scaled our portfolio, specifically building our teams and networks in those different locations. Um, to allow us to ultimately retire from from optometry. Now we still practice um, in a volunteer setting because we we love that. I mean, we love what we do in that regard. But now we have the flexibility to practice kind of on our timeline. And that was the birth of of my company, Rent to Retirement. We started, you know, probably nine or ten years ago at this point. Uh, we just had had a lot of friends and family and colleagues that were like, "Hey, we see what you're doing in, in real estate. That's very interesting. We'd like to do something similar. Invest in these areas, but we don't want to be active investors. You know, we don't know where to start." We have our full-time jobs. You know, we need to tap into an already the system and teams you already built to easily invest in the areas that offer the best returns. And you know, that's that's the foundation of our company. So fast forward yeah. to where we're at today. 
That's awesome. No, I, I love it. I, I worked with a lot of physicians. I was in medical device sales for about 10 years and I watched a lot of physicians that I knew. I'm not sure how it is it as, as an optometrist, but they'd be working 50, 60 plus 80 hours a week, you know, a lot. They'd be doing a lot of work. And so what was the the kind of the, the motivation for you to want to leave? Because I know a lot of people that are optometrists would be like, you know, why would you ever leave this? Like it's it's good money. You know, maybe the hours aren't as, as much as what I shared. But uh, what, were, what were some motivators for you guys to start looking um, into going from, OK, we're dabbling in real estate to like, I actually want to leave and I want to do this full time. Yeah, the interesting thing is I, I was never really motivated to leave leave my career path. I, I really enjoyed optometry. It's interesting because now, you know, later I, I talk about my story and there's a lot of uh, even our, our close friends are like, oh, you know, you, you left that career path because it wasn't right for you or, you know, you didn't enjoy it. It's, it's not like I hated that job. I really enjoy it. We love we're passionate about helping people see. And that's why we work still in the volunteer humanitarian sense. Today, we do a lot of international missions, set up cataract surgery centers you know, and we, we love that aspect of it. But the reality is, is real estate, we, we were just passionate about it and excited about it as well, because that was a path for us to be able to build, you know, passive income where we can still do the eye care thing, but we don't have, we can do it on our terms, on our timeline, we can build a net worth much quicker um, and really take control of our finances being, instead of being reliant on that uh, for income and also build generational wealth. I mean, the best thing about real estate, as you well know, is the ability to just have all these different income streams, right? And, and compounding effects to build financial independence and generational wealth. So that's why we went kind of full bore into that. Right. And, and that's, you know, we talk a lot about this, the mailbox money show. We talk a lot about, you know, being able to, uh, you know, have passive income and, and the power of passive income and how passive income is so much more powerful than active income, where you can start to replace, uh, you know, I think the further there's several different levels, right? One is replacing your living expenses, right? If you can live simply, maybe you can reduce expenses. You can start getting some passive revenues. For me, that's how I was able to leave my job is through replacing the expenses. And there's a second level you're talking about is where you you actually replace your prior income. You've got no place where okay, now I'm making what I was making before. And then there's maybe even a third level where it's like, I can live the life that I dreamed of, right? Or I can make the impact or the generational wealth, or I can do all these things. And it's all possible. That's the amazing thing about it. It's almost like you stack one on top of the other, right? You start with one and then you keep going and then you kind of ramp up, which I think is, is really amazing. So um, that's, you know, congrats to you for doing that and well done for, for teaching others and creating a community around that with your renter retirement um, uh, you know, program. So talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, I, I think in general, you mentioned a couple of things I want to touch base on, but one was the idea of investing out of area. A lot of investors, you know, and a lot of people we talk with and even myself is like, oh, I've got to buy a rental and I've got to do a single family and it's got to be in my neighborhood and I've got to be the manager. And just the idea of investing out of state or out of area can feel really overwhelming. And people are like, I don't know what if I get scammed and what, you know, what happens and how does this work? And I know uh, the turnkey space is a very unique space because it's someone like yourself who operates in this space. You help people to do this. You have vetted, uh, you know, homes that are kind of fixed up, ready to go. You've got tenants in there. There's usually, you know, property management involved. And can you just talk to us a little bit of how the turnkey space works and how someone can be comfortable investing out of area? Absolutely. I mean, the turn turnkey by itself is one of those buzzwords that we hear about all the time. And so there's, you know, broadly uh, differing uh, opinions of what that actually means. And so I always want to define you know, what we mean when we say turnkey. And so the first thing is, Bronson, that turnkey is a house in our definition that is either newly built or fully renovated. About half of what we do is new construction, like built to rent. And there's a lot of benefits with those often coming with like significant immediate equity and just like low maintenance, you know, but 
um, a house that's newly built, fully renovated, leased, and professionally managed in a market that we've identified as um, being a, a productive rental market and an area that we've personally been successful in uh, because of that and built, built our teams and systems. And then we also assist with our company, we assist people in building a comprehensive business plan. It's not just buying a house, right? There's when you're investing in real estate, you're building a business. So there's all the ancillary things that come alongside with like, uh, you know, setting up your LLC structure. How do you do that? How do taxes vary in the different states? You know, once you get to those higher levels of maybe being a professional investor in cost segregation studies or 1031 exchanges. So we, we navigate all those with our investors, build those long-term partnerships to help them be successful and sustainable long-term. But as far as like the, the mindset of investing out of state, yeah, it may seem daunting. I mean, that I also think it could be a hindrance for people and counterproductive sometimes to be closed-minded to think that you just can invest in your, your own backyard. Uh, my personal opinion is that some people want to get into real estate and they they feel like it's a comfort level because they know the market, the, the property is local. They feel like they could go over and manage it. And while that's possible and there's experience to be gained from that, uh, really, you should look at it from a business perspective. You should be operating on your business, building your business, not in there dealing with tenants and changing toilets. I mean, that that's, you know, your time is more valuable than that. And so it, it's important to look strategically about okay, where can I get the, the best investment opportunities? How do I build a diversified and sustainable portfolio long-term? Where are the best returns? You know, And so that, that's kind of the way that we approached our business because we did buy locally, right? Our, the first house we bought was a, one we lived in and, and um, rented out the, the other half of the duplex. But once our eyes opened to investing out of state, realizing that it's following the same process uh, as you would locally, going through normal due diligence and vetting, and ultimately it comes down to the people, right? Whether it's local or not working with a, a qualified property manager um, and, and learning that market. And so that's why it's important to have the right people, systems and teams in place to, to build that out of state. But what you'll find over time is that there's no difference buying, you know, property across the country or buying it locally. You follow the same steps and it all comes down to the people. You just got to shift your mindset to that. Yeah. I think there's a, you know, again, a lot of people think uh, I'm going to become financially free through doing real estate. And if they start doing it, they're doing flipping or they're buying houses themselves out of state, like what I did individually, individual houses, um, it's, it could be a lot of work and it could be overwhelming. And that's where, uh, you know, if you, it's almost, I know some people say, I don't buy anything that's not within a two hour drive where I live or whatever, or it's not within a, this radius. And I, and I think, you know, the amazing part about when you do own something out of area, you really have to rely on your team. And you have to really develop a good team and, you know, your property manager, whether it's an agent or other sort of professionals involved, we do that with multifamily. We've got, you know, our 200 million in multifamily assets. They're all, I live in California. They're all outside of California. They're all in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. And so, you know, we, we have our team that we rely on to help us manage and, and do all this. And I, I go out occasionally, but um, I think, you know, with turnkey, and, and I love that you talked about the uh, the build to rent, which is a huge growing segment. A lot of people are talking about this, the shortage of housing, buying in the right markets. You know, we always talk about what markets you're buying in. Those are more important than necessarily, you know, the uh, the actual house itself. You know, like in Jacksonville, Florida, we're seeing tons of growth. What what markets are you guys seeing right now as markets that you're you're doing a lot of build to rent or other types of deals in right now? So going back to the criteria that kind of determines where we want to invest, I mean, there's a handful of, of criteria. Obviously, we want to be in the path of progress. We want to be in an area where there is a housing shortage, which there's many, right? If you just follow the population trends, there's a lot of people moving just frankly to the Sun Belt. COVID even expedited that with, with people yeah. living in areas that have landlord-friendly legislation, but also, you know, 
Uh, favorable tax structures, affordable cost of living, still good weather. Florida is a perfect example of that, right? And so we see a ton of people, um, especially now that more people are working remotely where they can live where they want to, have a better tax structure, you know, affordable cost of living. A lot of people from East and West Coast are moving to Florida all over. Um, so we do a lot in Florida. Um, I mean, that's that's probably throughout the entire state, you know, Panhandle, Pensacola, um, uh, the Ocala area, is, as well as um, Point Siena, kind of in Polk County and uh, in Southwest Florida, uh, Cape Coral, Lehigh Acres. I mean, those are all built to rent new construction models. And the benefit with those is, man, just based on how the markets uh, kind of been now, it might be slowing down a little bit, but still there's a huge housing sh- uh, shortage, right? And so that still drives rents up and price points. So, I mean, the average person has over six figures of equity um, within one year. <laughs> you know, on those. So, and we're building a low market value, but Florida, um, Alabama, Carolinas, I mean, Texas, um, taxes are a little bit higher there, but uh, those are areas build to rent. And then the typical turnkey stuff would be like Ohio, Missouri, Indiana. Those are your bread and butter, $150,000 houses that still get a 12 to 15% cash on cash return. Do people usually pay cash for these or do they get a loan or is there a variety of ways that it works for financing these? I highly encourage everyone to leverage. I mean, leverage up, right. especially in this in inflationary environment right now. I mean, you know, even though interest rates are going up, I mean, obviously that if you have an amount of cash to buy house, all cash, great, but you can just do much better stretching that across. So, I mean, some people buy cash if that fits their goals. Maybe they're investing through a self-directed IRA um, and don't want to use the non-recourse debt. But I would say the vast majority of people are uh, are using leverage. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, the turnkey space. If someone's unfamiliar with it, um, you know, what are some of the, the challenges or risks involved that what could go wrong? I mean, you, you're at the turnkey group. I know you guys do it. There's many folks that do it. What are some things you think just as far as a diligence perspective, people should look for as far as, uh, you know, someone they're, they're working with for turnkeys or, or the property managers some questions to ask? What are some things that you kind of think are best practices when new people are kind of approaching this space? And I'm glad you brought this up, Bronson, because it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? Like right. while there, this is real estate. You're still housing people. Um, you're still dealing. I mean, you need to go through your normal due diligence with any house you're buying, turnkey or otherwise, uh, and you need to make sure that you're you're properly properly vetting people. When we have a new new investor, because we have many clients that are brand new, they they want that hand holding. They need to, you know, kind of that coaching um, assistance that we offer is really beneficial for them. Um, to help navigate this, but we also have experienced investors as well. But one thing we always want to do is set expectations appropriately for someone. Just because we say it's turnkey does not mean that this is, you know, you're never going to hear about this property, right? And when you're an actual, you're the owner of the property, which is beneficial from a financial standpoint, even if you have a property manager, you still need to hold them accountable. You still need to manage your manager at some point, you'll, you'll still have tenants. So, I mean, tenants could be um, you know, I mean, at some point it's just a numbers game. If you have enough rentals that you're going to have an unfavorable tenants that you may have to evict, but it comes down to having the right people in place and, and vetting them. You know, you need to vet the, the market to make sure it adheres to your goals. Uh, as far as, you know, vetting, vetting the property managers, there's all sorts of questions. I mean, when we partner with the property management company, there's a 20 point, um, kind of system. We require them to adhere t- to things like, you know, how do you vet tenants? Um, you know, are you calling references? Are you calling multiple references for their previous landlord, not just the current one who may want to get rid of them? What do you require for a credit score and, and rent amounts? Three times monthly rent is what we require. So, you know, there, there's a lot to go through. And I don't think for the capacity of today's show, we can go through all those things, but just approach it as, you know, making sure that you first have criteria identified of what makes sense for you. 
and go through the same due diligence and vetting process, you know, trust, but, but verify, and then make sure you're working with the right team that has a good public reputation, look them up, talk to references, spend the time to go through that. Yeah, no, I think it's whatever asset you're looking at. Um, you know, we we talk about different asset classes here. We have our ATM machine fund where investors join us with a large ATM machine operator. We do our multifamily stuff. I, I try to look at different things within real estate and outside of real estate just say what is what does it do for you as an investor what does it meet your goals is it trying to you know kind of what role does this fit in what you're doing um so i guess when it comes to you know having owning a turnkey i know there's usually a period where people you know you have some help there's some guarantees for the first year or two where it's like you know you're guaranteed to get a certain amount of rent or that renters are in there i imagine it's much easier from a maintenance standpoint to manage brand new builds because of the class of tenant and because of the style of a house. But I mean, how many of these do people, you know, can you accumulate before it starts to get to be, you know, this is kind of a lot of work and it becomes less passive and it becomes a lot more active. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a thing, a lot of our listeners are trying to, and me as well, how do I grow my wealth without just kind of being tied up with another job? So, I mean, can do people get 30, 40 of these going at once? Is it, is do they need to hire somebody to kind of help them manage that? Or is the manager kind of help with that? Or how does that process work? Yeah, scalability over time is is very difficult if you don't have, you know, a clear plan and systems in place. I mean, the, the argument could be made that depending on the person's expectations, that I mean, one one house could be more work than some people think they're signing up for. Um, we we I, I would say our, our highest investor has 112 rentals. And those are wow. the, there's multifamily fixed in there. But I would say he is more of an more of a passive investor than someone that Sometimes we have that comes in and buys two rentals, uh, you know, because they're they are um, you know more meticulously looking over the performance, which is a good thing. But as you grow your portfolio, you, you do need to make sure that you have a clear system internally to to monitor you know the rental properties. I think one of the benefit that of, of working with our team is we we built those right in in multiple different locations, um, and that's how we've been able to scale our portfolio. Same thing with with multifamily, as you well know. I mean. Uh, you know, you, you just got to have the, the systems set up appropriately um, and, and know how you're organizing that, especially if you're diversifying across multiple, multiple markets, but also be realistic on what, what your goals are. Um, you know, because if you're, there's no doubt about it, you know, if you get to, I would say our average client is between 10 to 20 doors over the course of three to five years. And usually at that point, they're building equity in these things. And maybe it makes sense. Okay. I'll 1031. I've had these houses for you know, three to five years, they build equity, debt's been paid down, rents have gone up. Maybe it makes sense to 1031 those and, you know, put it into a larger multifamily or something like this, where it allows you to get some more economies of scale. There is a threshold where it's like, if you're buying, an, you know, real estate, that's over so many number of doors, like that comes with its own managerial team internally. Right. So, right. Um, but I, I think it's just important to kind of, you know, go through the steps and, you know, build out your system as you go. The average person that owns a handful of rentals, um, yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but you got to go through those steps. So you're, you're able to be in that position to scale over time. Yeah, no, it's something we see a lot of folks that actually 1031 single family houses into our deals, either it's a it's one single family or multiple single families they actually can sell them as a package. And then they can, you know, 1031, usually it's over 500 can equity will bring people into deals, but it is, you know, it's almost like uh, the, the game monopoly, right? You play and you got the houses and then you, you ramp up, you know, for the hotels and you just kind of keep you know, that red to, hotel. You yeah. do. Yeah. And I, I have some friends called the Donis brothers. They have the real estate monopoly uh, podcast and they, you know, they talk about that, you know, how you do that, but it's just pretty fun. Um, 
Let, let's talk for a minute about um, the real estate conditions and just inflation. I mean, you mentioned inflation. I mean, officially 9.1%, unofficially, I think 15 to 18%. So if people hold cash, and a lot of them, the confused mind just says, oh, I don't know, I'm just, they just don't do anything. And so if I hold cash for a period of the next two years, you could be losing 35 to 40% of the purchasing power of that cash. So are you seeing uh, investor sentiment kind of soften a little bit when it comes to buying houses, especially with rates rising? It's a lot of people are very confused kind of on what to do, right? But are you see, how, what are you seeing right now in this space? Yeah, the, the confusion and the concern really comes from fear and not having a clear plan, you know, because all the savvy investors are excited for these times right now, right? Because it's pushing those type of people out there. I mean, it's, it's also making it more of an even playing field for, for buyers and sellers right now and, and maybe offering deal opportunities. Now's the time you should be aggressive, right? Is it, is it the Warren Buffett quote that said, you know, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when mm -hmm. others are fearful? So, I mean, um, but just the average investor that's turning on the news and seeing, you know, inflation, uh, you know, economy, we're in a recession. What does that even mean? I mean, they, they're just unfamiliar. They, they're seeing these interest rates because we've been spoiled with historically low interest rates over the past two years. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, these are 6%. I can't make that cash flow. Well, yes, you can. And is that even, does that even really matter really at the end of the day? Yes, I think you want to positively cash flow. But the big picture is to your point, you got to be doing something with your money. Inflation is a tool in, in real estate when you own it because that causes a loan cost of living to go up and rents to go up, you know, house prices to go up regardless of short-term fluctuations. It's just I'm, the savvy investors are going to be very successful. The people that are concerned and, and uh, fearful and sit on the sidelines right now are not doing themselves any good because you're just basically that's that's time when you could have been progressively learning. And that's really what it's about is the learning aspect of it. That's lost time and opportunity cost. Um, but real estate, you know, when it's done right, you have the strong fundamentals. You can still be very successful in this in this market and all markets for that matter. Yeah, no, it's uh, I love that quote. I, I quote Warren Buffett a lot, but be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. It's uh, it's a great opportunity. And you know, we can look back and say, oh, you know, you know, housing has come up so much in the last 10 years, but they've they've just printed so much money. I mean, there was like a 40 point, almost a 41 percent increase in the actual money supply over a 24 month period from February of 2020 to February 2022. And so we just have never really had a time like this where at least in recent history where they just created so much currency. And so we're, we're really headed, uh, you know, to a place where owning less dollars is actually better. Getting into assets is going to be much better, especially with leverage, but I think it's, it's really huge. Leverage is huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you just look at that aspect, that's what we're leveraging up as much as we can, yeah. because we know that yes, because of the devaluation aggressively right now, you know, those are going to we'll be paying the bank back with future dollars that are worth less. And our that's mortgage it. doesn't pay, doesn't change, right? So that's, yeah. that's a huge thing. That's a that's that's the strategy. That's how you take advantage. Of, you know, I have a ebook that's how to use inflation to your advantage. It's just using that strategy and trying to do more of it. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's just new starting out in real estate? What are sort of like you know maybe some uh, things to read or, or podcasts or just things that you would do maybe differently? Just things you. Like, I wish I'd known this ten years ago or twenty years ago. We interview a lot of very successful people in business and entrepreneurs and absolutely the real estate field, Bronson. And, uh, you know, we, we always pose a question to them of like, okay, if you could go back, what would you do differently? And almost unanimously, the answer is, I wish I would have started sooner and I wish I would have been more aggressive earlier on and that not let fear hold me back and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So 
I, I think that's the advice that I would give to someone that's that's newer is um, there's there's a lot of shiny objects out there in real estate. The beautiful thing is you can be successful in multiple different avenues, but you can't be successful in all of them at once. And so you really got to be honest with yourself about, you know, what is the best starting point? And really, it doesn't matter where you start as long as you are starting and making a decision, because as you grow your experience over time, that will open up more doors of opportunity you know, um, so just just be honest with yourself about your knowledge, your time, your resources, your experience, your goals and investment investing criteria, and then do something with it. Just just choose, uh, because I always tell people the first property you make is uh, invest in is, is really not important financially. It, it is mentally and emotionally um, because that's that's the biggest thing. So just take action, work with people that you, you know, align with your goals um, and that you trust and just get get that deal done to whatever capacity it is. Yeah, that's it. No, I think you're right. Taking action earlier. I mean, they say, you know, there's that proverb that says, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time is today. And so just to really start and just take some action. So, well, I appreciate that, man. Your story is super inspiring. I think uh, like myself, you were a well-paid, you know, professional doing big stuff and you realized it would be more valuable to leave and basically do uh, real estate on your own terms and be able to create generational wealth. So I want to honor you for that and, and for your uh, teaching, you know, the way you teach others and how you help people get into deals. So how can people uh, get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, thank you, Bronson. If anyone wants to learn more just about our company, about turnkey investing in the areas that we focus on, uh, they can visit our, our website, renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Uh, they can call the 800 number, 800-311-6781. Um, but go to our website, check it out. We have a lot of resources on there, just about it. You know, all things real estate. We're passionate about real estate. We're passionate about helping people learn about real estate and accomplish their goals. Um, and so there's just a lot of really good resources on there that has links to our YouTube and podcast channel with a lot of information we're putting out weekly. Uh, and that's our goal is really just to influence our community and make everyone a better investor, regardless of what avenue you're investing in. So um, we'd love to have a consultation with you and, and chat about your goals. Awesome, man. Well, Zach, appreciate you being here today. Uh, thanks again. Really appreciate the help. And I encourage everybody to go to Zach's uh, website and, and reach out and connect with them. So thanks so much. Thanks, Bronson. It's been a pleasure. All right. So I really enjoyed this interview. Uh, as you know about me, I'm not necessarily a single family guy. I prefer to do more scalable sort of multifamily stuff. There was something that came up with Zach after the interview that we talked about that's an interesting strategy they're doing in Florida where they're buying uh, these build to rent properties. This is a common thing where you'll put around 10% down. So these properties, it's about 350 to build. So you can put down about 10% or 25% or we put a, a smaller percentage down and then you start building. And then by the time these things have been completed, which is usually 12 to 16 months later, uh, they're worth, you know, 100 to 150K more than what went into it. So uh, people are, you know, because they put so little down and they're getting so much equity, most people just sell it, right? Because you have this, you know, year later, it actually becomes a long-term gains type of situation. You don't necessarily get depreciation on it, but you could take, you know, potentially 100K and turn it into, you know, 200 or 250 in equity, which is amazing. So we're always looking for ways like that, where you have some sort of play that's a long-term play that's a little easier to do that you can actually leverage or maybe even 1031 out of that into another deal if a deal allows for it. So um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this uh, interview. I think the biggest, one other big thing that I got from this interview was the idea of just getting started. I mean, I really think in real estate, uh, about 90% of it is just mindset, right? It's just getting yourself in the mindset that you need to take action 
I mean, for years, I looked at real estate deals. I listened to podcasts. I didn't take any action and I didn't grow. I had my one out of state rental. I didn't really do anything. And then when I actually made a decision that, okay, I'm just going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to learn this week. I'm going to take this action. Next week, I'm going to take this action. Today, I'm going to do this. And I made a plan. Everything started to just grow exponentially. So there's so much that you can learn, you can grow in. And if you just take action and you learn, you'll figure it out along the way. So if you're interested, if you haven't joined our deal, club, our, the Bronson Equity Deal Club, we have just some awesome multifamily deals that we're doing. And we're always looking to partner with good people, uh, similar minded, that are looking for a long-term relationship. Uh, sounds like a dating ad or something, but no, we're looking for a long-term relationship to do deals together. Hopefully people will work together. We'll, we'll have a great experience and, and do multiple deals over a number of years. So you can check that out at bronsonequity.com, hit the join button. We'll start a uh, relationship with you, set up a call with you and see if it makes sense to work together. But uh, thanks for taking the time to educate yourself because that's the biggest investment, the best investment that you can make. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Mailbox Money. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, the single best investment strategy during and after a pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time for more Mailbox Money.